This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're, 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 you're listening to the podcast for all of the news, notes, and breakdowns for your Ohio State Buckeyes. This is Sons of the Shoe with Nick Wilson and Spencer German. Sons of the Shoe is back. Nick Wilson, Spencer German. I guess Spencer German. There we go. There we go. Uh, hi, guys. How you doing? Happy whatever the hell day it is that you're listening to the podcast. As we are a new podcast, we do ask you guys, make sure to follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. And as always, uh, 923thefan's YouTube page. We will absolutely love you forever if you follow the show. And make sure to comment in the 923thefan YouTube section. Uh, Make sure to uh, follow us at Nick Wilson says at Spencito underscore. But another glorious day in Buckeye Nation. Spencer, good day to you, sir. How long are we able to say we're a new podcast? Like, what's the statute of limitations on that? I'm not saying it's wrong or it's bad because it makes for easy promotions. We, mm-hmm. we continue to hear those on 92.3 all the time. We continue to promote the show on here and say we're a new podcast. Uh, is it is it up until, like, next season that we can continue saying we're a new podcast? Is that fair? I, is it, I would say we, until we get Bezos money. You know, when we okay. really hit pay dirt and when we like, I'll be honest with <laughs> so you. So in the year 2045, we'll still be like, we're a new podcast yeah, as of 20 years ago. <laughs> until we, until we get uh, Joe Rogan numbers, I'm going to be calling us a new podcast. Until we get the, uh, the 50,000 downloads a month, then, then I'll finally be like, you know what? We're we a seasoned rest. podcast. Follow rest. us. We appreciate like you. Like Thanos at the end of uh, Infinity War, we can finally just rest. Just finally We're rest. We're not a new podcast anymore. And then Thor can come along and chop off our heads. Um, <laughs> that's, that was my takeaway with what happened with Thanos. You wipe out half the population, somebody's going to come along and chop off your head. And also you're going to disfigure yourself. I don't know. I just remember parts of that movie. There might be and some it, people, it sounds like there's some Michigan fans who quite – enjoy uh chirping us in the comments 
who want to chop off our heads. So I, mean, I got to say nothing new, really. We are going, you know, we do the Michigan panic meter in the third segment of every Sons of the Shoe. And every week we have to explain it to our friends from up north and even some of our Ohio State fa- uh, friends that it is about Ohio State's panic about Michigan. And this is the rare time. In the third segment today, we're actually going to do the unthinkable. We're going to go ahead and do the Michigan panic meter about Michigan because <laughs> We're going to confuse everyone. It has gotten real good and panicky, and we're going to have a lot of fun with that. But today really was about meeting the new transfers, uh, and and Ohio State made those football players available, including Quinshawn Judkins, the running back out of Ole Miss. Caleb Downs spoke today, safety out of Alabama. And then the big news was Will Howard, the quarterback, K-State. He And I will say, first observation, with a haircut he has now, if he puts on 50 pounds, he could have a big boy NIL deal that would blow your mind. He is 50 pounds shy. He's got like the little swoop going. He is 50 pounds shy of maybe the best big boy endorsement you could ever get. He also talked about a lot of stuff, but I just want to point that out there. He's got the swoop. He's got like whatever that Bama <laughs> thing is that all men from Bama have a natural like comb over. He's got that. Very interesting young man. Yeah, um, this was the first time we really got a chance to hear him talk and just kind of address the how things kind of played out and his recruitment to Ohio State and leaving K State and he talked a little bit about like what he, the valuable lessons and skill sets and different things that he had, um, sort of picked up when he was at K State and how that's going to apply now when he's at Ohio State. Sounds like a guy who is very much ready. I know we'll talk about this a little bit, but ready for the challenge of just I think in general the pressure that comes because let's face it like K-State is K-State yeah it's a D1 program that's playing big time college football against some big time schools but the pressure to succeed and win there is is you know minuscule in comparison to what it is at Ohio State it's part of the reason why Kyle McCord transferred in the first place because he felt that pressure and didn't want to stick around for it when he got blamed for losing to Michigan so um yeah like I, I think he seems like a pretty well put together kid I'm fascinated to see now. I don't know that they're going to dub it as like a quarterback competition, but I am fascinated to see how um, how it's kind of treated and if there's a possibility that one of these other younger recruits that's now either trans and Julian Sayan from Alabama or uh, obviously Aaron Nolan, who was a recruit for this year, gives him a run at all. Or because the way that this was framed when they signed him was yes. Will Howard is coming to Ohio State to be the starting quarterback. And um, just because that, that's what was said. And I actually, ironically, a colleague of ours, Brennan Gulick, who um, he covers Ohio State for, for Buckeyes now, the, the SI site. And I had him on, on 92 a couple weeks ago, and he actually mentioned um, that was kind of his big thing was that he, he's not 100% sure Will Howard's just going to be the, the day one starter. And I thought that was interesting you know, it makes your ears perk up a little bit because when it's sold to you that way and when you see a big-time recruit like that transfer into Ohio State, you just kind of assume, oh, they're doing it for that reason. But obviously the landscape has changed since then when you got two really highly touted recruits, that quarterback coming in as well. So it's right, uh, it's a fascinating you're, you're, conversation. You're going through about 12 of the different talking points. We can go through this. Why don't we first get to uh, Will Howard today at, at media availability 
talking about the idea of a quarterback competition and whether or not he'd be open to that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't be here if I, if I, if I didn't feel like I was ready for it. And, um, you know, like I said, my time at K-State kind of hardened me, and obviously it wasn't on the, uh, on the stage that this necessarily is. Um, but I'm ready. You know, I feel like nothing, nothing that is, is worth getting ever comes easy. And, you know, I feel like this, this opportunity here was just too good to pass up. And, you know, you can – people say what they want about me. You know, it's in one ear and out the other. Um, you know, and obviously it's hard, you know, balancing that stuff. But, um, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of block it out and just, and just try to be me and trust God and, and, uh, and just be the best version of myself every day. And that's, that's all you can do. Yeah, So the- absolutely. There is a part of me that thinks whether he was promised the job or not, and I tend to think there was a maybe not a promise, but a very strong like wink, wink. I, I he would answer the question the same way. Like no one's ever going to be like, no, I came here to be the starter and bl- damn the competition. So there is a part of me just hearing that that like I don't think it automatically solves that he totally does expect to be in a competition. It also doesn't go the other way. Like you can leave it open to the fact he might be being honest here and he does expect an honest competition at quarterback. Yeah, I definitely played it down the middle, very politically. Um, I, I like I, For me, part of this conversation too just goes back to um, when it was announced that he was coming to Ohio State. A lot of the reporting centered around the idea that Ohio State singled in on him and you know, this will, and this is why I think this, this conversation is interesting. It does leave the door open to, to make me at least contemplate that he could get beat out by, uh, by Julian saying, or air Nolan, because yeah, it was sold as well. They promised him the starting job a, but B they kind of wait. They, the Ohio state, it was, the, I think the wording on it from Pete Thamel or uh, who reported at the time was Ohio state was patient and they had their eye on Will Howard and they waited out the process and then they got their guy at the end. But we had reports like two weeks prior that they were interested in Riley Leonard, but he wasn't really budging on, on trying to go to Notre Dame. Like that was where he, he was destined to go. So it's just funny to me that it was sort of thrown out that way. And, and I do believe like when they signed him, that was the intent. And I'm sure there's been – listen, I, I'm imagining there's probably some communications with, um, with uh, Nolan about like, hey – you're going to come here and there's going to be, you know, we want you to get opportunities. We want to just want to see what you can do and we're not going to try to handcuff you, but at the same time, we're bringing in this quarterback who is, is has the experience. We're going to try to start him this year. And he's like, like the, everything we've heard about Aaron Nolan is like, he's all in on, on everything, no matter what, even when saying was signed, it was like, Nope, he's not going anywhere. He's sticking around. So it doesn't seem like he's phased by it. Um, but more so just, um, yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm curious because it wasn't maybe the real first choice for Ohio State. If that means he's just for sure going to get it, or now that there's two different guys below him who are supposed to be really, really good, if it is going to be an open competition, kind of like what we saw last year. Well, I mean, I think. Listen, I, I think the one thing I probably didn't do enough of when they announced. Will and there was all that scuttlebutt with Pete Thamel, as you mentioned. I probably wasn't just skeptical enough about that messaging. I, in and of myself, whether it's a college team, a pro team, 
I just inherently don't trust messaging from the team because teams and programs have every reason to sell things in a specific way. And if you think about it, Will Howard was like the first guy you got in the transfer portal. Uh, Caleb Downs came later. He was kind of the last piece there. Uh, obviously, Quinshawn Judkins was kind of right behind Will Howard. But think about where Ohio State was when Will Howard was was it was announced that that Will Howard was coming to Ohio State. Michigan was on the precipice of a national championship. You had lost the Cotton Bowl kind of in an ugly way. You had lost to Michigan for the third straight year. You had you had to go to the wire to retain every single major prospect in your draft, including Jeremiah Smith and Edric Houston and Air Nolan. And even though Air Nolan was a solid uh, verbal the whole time, like you look at that, it's not that I don't think it's real. It's not that I don't think they love Will Howard, but at the time you needed a tent pole to build confidence around and being able to bring in a quarterback that was a quantifiable, you know, really good starting quarterback in college and then say, he's the guy. I think that was just important to just kind of keep everybody in Columbus and, and, and lure people to Columbus. Even if maybe you went to Will and said, listen, it's like 75% you're going to be the starter, but things could change. And we're going to give these other guys at least a, a chance to compete and that that could be anything from compete to be your backup, but if they outdo you, it, it might end up being outdoing you. And Will's job, I mean, Will's options were either then to go immediately into the draft, yeah, or pick another spot. And Ohio State was the best of all the spots. So I do I like the idea of a quarterback competition. Whether that's a true quarterback competition, all five guys are available, all five guys are in it, and anyone could win it or whether it's heavily skewed towards Will Howard, but that still cracks the door for the young quarterbacks. I would be really shocked if it was Julian Sand or Aaron Nolan, true freshman, beating out Will Howard. Agreed. But maybe a yeah. guy like Devin Brown, maybe you give Lincoln Keenholz a chance. Like That's where all of a sudden I think, you know, I, I think literally all five guys could hypothetically win it because they're all at Ohio State for a reason. I think it's probably 80% Will. And then let's see where the other four guys are. Well, and, and the messaging thing you bring up is tough because you don't know where Pete Thamel's reporting's coming from. Like that to me kind of read as like somebody fed him that from the team. Like it yeah. was like this was our mess. And that's the thing that you're always trying to read between the lines on when that stuff comes out. I like and, and, and you bring up his options. That's what I, I think the holdup is for me of why I do still lean that it probably is. Like, again, maybe it wasn't like a handshake agreement. You're the starter because Ryan Day goes out and he puts on a pretty face and says, like, everybody's got to earn their spot. Everyone's got to earn their job. And they did have an open competition last year, as we know. Um, so I, I'm not saying it was like that, but I'm sure the intention was there of like, we're going to bring you in because we expect that you're going to be the starter. And so that's why I do lean heavily into the idea that it's going to be him. Um, because like you said, it's just hard, I think, for true freshman of any skill level to step right in and be the instant starter at the college level. Like the game's just different. Like we've seen it numerous times for guys, like they got to kind of get a grip and, and understand things. And as long as guys are willing to sort of wait it out and see, I think that's, you know, that, that, that's kind of what a high state's dealing with right now with these two, with these two recruits coming in. Um, then it's, it, it usually works out where 
they both won't be able to start, but one of them will get that job probably next year. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm a, because of what will, will Howard's options were like, he has to feel pretty good about the idea that he's going to be it. Otherwise, why, why stay in college? Right? Like he could have gone to the draft. Like you said, he could have gone to another school. I get Ohio state's warranting because the talent level that they have and all these different things. But if his goal of coming back was, listen, I'm coming back because I think I need to increase my profile. I don't really want to go into a class that's headlined by, you know, uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May and some of these other top guys that is going to drop my stock down. I want to kind of make a name for myself at a big program. I have to believe that on some level, it's not just him taking a gamble on his his professional career because if he doesn't play, if he loses that job, like he's going to have even worse um, play uh, pro potential in the draft than he than he would have this year. Um, so I have to envision that he's going to be the starter but you're right and and you know the doors may be cracked open a little bit and when you hear about these big name guys coming in there's always the possibility that they could play well enough and, and to your point like you bring up Keenholds, you bring up Devin brown maybe those guys like the team messaging around them was that they had a lot of faith in them leading up to the peach bowl it was was it was i always met it was the cotton bowl not the peach bowl. Cotton I bowl, yeah i don't know why i always mess those two up um but leading up to the Cotton Bowl, it was all like, oh, everybody's really excited about Devin Brown. He's the next big thing, and he can run, and he can do all these different things. So maybe the, maybe the competition is more so there than it is with the true freshmen. But obviously, the freshmen are the intriguing part of this conversation because they are so highly touted. They're two of the best quarterback recruits coming out of high school right now, and they're both at Ohio State. So And, and there's always an anxiousness for fans to want to see those guys sooner rather than later, obviously, as well. Well, and I just – here's the other thing. it You just never know in football. You know, the same thing could be said. Julian Sand could step on campus, and he could be the obvious best quarterback in the room. So you always – Aaron Nolan could do the same thing. I, I don't think it's going to happen with Devin Brown. He looks too raw as a passer. Um, it's funny because that's You're all holding out hope for Keenholz, though, I know. Uh, I do love me some Keenholz, <laughs> man. I, it's not because he's from South Dakota. It's just that kid's got a swagger about him I think really does work. But I digress. Like, I like I think you leave the door open for that reason, you know, in case one of those guys just blows you away. Here's another thing. You just never know. Injuries do happen in spring ball. And, you know, when you're trying to anoint a quarterback, that's as much. It, yes, you're trying to get him in the right spot where he's fully empowered. He's in charge of the offense. And so in a situation where you got a guy that's a clear favorite for the job, you want to do everything you can to give him a chance to win that job for his own men, his own mentals, in the words of Marshawn Lynch, but also in the eyes of the players. You know, like it, Will could go out there and he could struggle, and that could be a struggle for the guys to, to kind of rally around him. Conversely, he could ball out. And he could just blow away dudes around him because of that mobility, because of that arm strength. You know what I mean? And But the same can be said. He could also get hurt. And so by leaving the door open, you allow yourself, one, to establish a pecking order behind him if Will does win the job. And I, listen, I don't think all five guys are making it to Columbus this fall. I, I would – I'm not guaranteeing. I would be surprised if – one of those guys doesn't transfer out. Five is a lot in a quarterback room, even for on a one-year deal. Yeah, but I digress. But the other part is, it's 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 structuring it behind and letting those guys compete behind Will, so that if he got hurt, 
all right, hey, man, it's obvious. It's it's Julian's chance to step up. Hey, it's obvious. It's Ayers' chance to step up. It's Lincoln. It's Devin's chance to step up. So, you know, it's funny. Like, I think some Buckeye fans were taking victory laps of, oh, well, this means this means he's he's really got to fight for the job. There was a myriad of reasons why it made sense to to present him as the clear starter three weeks ago. And there's a myriad of reasons why you leave the door open because you never know with injuries, you never know with performance, and you just never want to tell, I mean, 18-year-old kids coming into to, to college football, especially Aaron Nolan, you know, two four-star quarterbacks, eh, you don't even have a chance. That's just That doesn't open up the most competitive mindset, and you, I, everything needs to be on the board. Everybody's job. JT Tuimolo out, great player. His job needs to be on the line, or he needs to feel that way because I think you need to go into – the regular season, keeping everybody hungry. And I think when you start a quarterback competition, even if it's skewed, I think you lean in a direction where that really helps you. I also think, too, um, we won't have an answer after the spring game. Ryan Day notoriously has not named – like we're, we're sitting here trying to sort of divulge this, divulge this question and sort through it and figure out what the answer is and sort of what the situation is going to look like and who's going to be the immediate backup and who's got the best shot to sort of maybe supersede Will Howard. We won't know after the spring game. Like if, if Will Howard looks really good, we won't know. If Will Howard looks really bad, we won't know. Um, when, when, um, when Justin Fields transferred in in twenty leading up to 2019, after the spring game, he didn't name him the starter. I think back then it was between uh, Fields and I think Matthew Baldwin was the other was the other quarterback at the time. So like he didn't name a starter after that. And then the only time he has known the, the starter was when it was the transitional year. So Fields started in 2019. In 2020, you knew it was going to be Justin Fields again. And then he did the same thing in 2021, where it was Fields I think versus just straight up McCord. There might have been somebody else in there. I forget the top of my head. But when it was Stroud and him. Stroud wasn't named starter up until August. So don't expect an answer for quite some time, I guess, is, is where I'm going with this. Like, I don't think we're going to have any clarity on, yes, it's definitely Will Howard's job come April when the spring game happens. But um, it should be interesting to see how those guys play and if there's anything that we can take away from what happens in the spring that tells us, or even like the reporting from practice and all these different things, um, that tells us who maybe is closest to potentially – up, you know, upping the ante or jumping Will Howard for the job if it were to happen. But I, I'm, I'm like you where I'm going in thinking like probably 75, 80% sure it's going to be Will Howard. And then it's mostly just going to be about like who kind of emerges as that next man up. And that'll be kind of the storyline of the rest of the season for the season if you were to get hurt. But then also going into the next year of like who's the who's at the top of the food chain. All right, guys. Are you expecting a true quarterback competition this spring uh, are you are you buying into what Will Howard is selling that he came here to compete for the starting job? I buy it about seventy five percent or about eighty <laughs> percent. There, uh, we do have to. We have more comments from Will Howard on maybe the highest rated prospect in Ohio State history. We got to get into that, but first, a word from our sponsors.
All right, guys. So as we have talked a lot about Will Howard's comments at uh, media availability today, and real quick, before I forgot about this, um, when Quinshawn Judkins, who I think people are already a little suspect of him leaving Ole Miss, and there were whispers about him and his teammates and all this, when he was asked, you know, why Ohio State? The funniest answer he could have give, uh, given is the one that he gave. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins was was quoted as saying, why not Ohio State? <laughs> that, was <just laughs> yeah, most, that. that was just so damn funny of like, instead of being like, and he did, he went on to talk about like the, the reputation of Ohio State with uh, running backs, like uh, the legacies of like Ezekiel Elliott and other great running backs. There were other things he said, but then when he just kind of went, but you know, man, like why not Ohio State? I just thought that is the funniest well, possible answer, and I applaud Quinshawn Judkins. I might have to get a four a, a X Quinshawn Judkins uh, Buckeyes uniform this fall. That's how much I like that answer. Well, let's be honest. I would imagine it's probably not the. Uh, I, I would imagine playing for Lane Kiffin can kind of wear on you. I mean, come on, the guy. The guy's kind of. Uh, well, for lack of a better word, the guy can be kind of a dick. So what? <laughs> no, Lane Kiffin, sweet Christian boy, oh, Lane Kiffin. Man, so I also I, I, I made fun of this on air today. There is a part of me that if any one of these guys came out, okay, you know, you know, Will Howard, Quincha Judkins, Caleb Downs, why Ohio State, and they just did the money signs. Like <laughs> I would just respect it because that is Manziel. like. Not enough guys just go, well, you know, I compared all the offers. I looked at my opportunity and realized uh, I was about to make an ass load of money, and that's why I'm here. Judkins is interesting. Like Money is probably part of it, for sure. But Judkins is also interesting because, like, like Will Howard, the scenario for him was he watches Kyle McCord transfer. Okay, he's going off to Syracuse, whatever. There's an opportunity here. for They're, they're looking for a starter, so it could be me. Um, with Quinshawn, and, and he's, he's coming, got the kid at Kansas State nipping at his heels. The right, young quarterback right. they've been developing this. Right, exactly. So this is an opportunity to like be the starter somewhere, and 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 take that role completely. Quinshawn Judkins is coming in like he already he I guess he didn't know at the time if Trevion Henderson was going to stay, but he had to at least know that was a possibility. And so yeah, like the money talks, that's probably part of it. But I, I'm just kind of like. He has to at least recognize he's going to go from Ole Miss, where he was the guy, he was the main back, and probably now accept a reduced role and be okay with that, knowing that like this is his last year to kind of make an impression before he goes off to the NFL potentially. So I think that's certainly, yeah, the money's certainly part of it, but there is, I think, some level of unselfishness there if he had to at least scan that situation and understand like, and, there, and there's there's other motivations too. Like you can win a national championship. The team's loaded. It's it's one of the better programs in the country and, and whatnot. But just the idea that he probably had to kind of come to grips with the fact that it's not just going to be him. And he was okay with that. And we know Travion's okay with that because he said before, like he thinks that helps prolong his career. He's had injury issues already. So it's not a problem for him. But for him to kind of take that backseat too, I think is is pretty telling. Yeah. The, the one question we'll have to get into at some point this year is how do you how do you share the ball with two great running backs, four guys who could be number one receivers or number two receivers at most programs uh, in the country, 
and a quarterback who's a who's a dual threat quarterback, you know, who has mobility to him. I, so I I think that'll be an interesting question this year. I think well, and I think a a side conversation or a a, a growth a growth conversation off of that. <laughs> what kind of growth are we talking about here, Kimo Sali? <laughs> I love a good growth conversation. Oh man, not, not that growing. Kind of growth. Not that kind of growth. Um, no, I I think another sort of offshoot of that conversation is is there almost too much for both Ryan Day and Bill O'Brien to work with here like how are they gonna spread the wealth and get everybody involved and keep everybody happy while also with the mission of we're gonna go win games and I think most of the schedule that won't be difficult because it's the Big Ten and we know Ryan Day has generally just owned the Big Ten anyway even when he's had lesser teams than when he's used to like this past year but I think that's an interesting conversation as well um but yeah how they utilize those guys will be fascinating it's certainly Something we have plenty of time to talk about this offseason. Can't wait for a good growth conversation with you about uh, <laughs> Ohio State Buckeyes. We'll have to we'll have to get what, whoever the plaster caster is these days. We'll have to get them involved in the conversation. Good at uh, I'm, I'm so good at you know when I'm looking for a word, I always pick the wrong one every time. You, you don't understand. My job is to talk for a living. They pay me. At well, least, so is mine. At, so at least the, well, I, you know. But my point is like. The, the stakes for me when I'm on a live – like, this is taped, okay? Sorry for anybody uh, – any of the illusion there. But, like, you know, we, we've got a little bit of – the pressure is not the same thing is when you know the FCC could be listening and you're That's searching true. for a word <laughs> and everybody in the room is looking at you and you know you're not finding that word. You know whatever <laughs> word you go to is going to be, like, 12% of the word you were looking for. Oh my God! It is I mean, people yeah. will never know that pressure. It's the only it's the only potential trap of the job. I mean, I started this. The, I was just gonna say I started this segment calling Lane Kiffin a D, and I didn't have to worry yeah. about it. So, well, that one's true though, and I think we should be able. <laughs> actually, there are radio stations that get to use the word "dick" on air, and I'm like 75 percent jealous of that. But you know what you should play, do. This is like real down the the 92 through the fan path, but uh-huh. you should if you really want to use that word. You should just start saying, well, so-and-so is a Dick and Dayton. Then mm. you get away with it every time. Every so time. Because it's a name. When, when we used to talk about Nick Foles and his and, and, uh, and by the way, I don't know if Dick and Dayton listens to this podcast, but that's not a shot at Dick and Dayton. I just We're just saying, using your name. I'm just saying your name FCC fits. Rules. It's like it's like when the people you like people throw out like the shit talking shit talking mushrooms so that they can say the word shit essentially it's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, wow, spoiler alert. Gosh, I can let everybody <laughs> on the magic of radio. Um I also like the idea of um I totally lost what I was going to say. I had a great line. It was one of the best I'm lines. I'm sorry. And I... now nope, nope, no, it's not you. My brain literally stopped working in real time. But we were just um we're, we just played some will howard audio talking about the idea of a competition and one of the other big quotes to come out of today's media ability other than why not ohio state was um will howard talking about jeremiah smith and that kind of first exposure getting to know jeremiah dude he's a dude man i i haven't i haven't gotten to talk to him that much yet um you know just because we've been in different groups lifting and stuff um but man, he's a specimen. I mean, that dude is is a freak show when it comes to physical. I mean, he is. I, I, I'm excited to see him out on the field and, and live action. It'll be it'll be fun. And the thing that's impressed me the most about, especially the receiver room, is how driven they are and how much they want to work. You know, I don't have to 
go out there and beg these guys to go catch. I mean, they're already out here catching on the jugs when I come out to throw. You know, it's like they're incredibly hardworking just all across the room. I mean, we got dudes like Carnell and, and Brandon Ennis and, and obviously Emeka and all those guys. Like, I mean, that's just the that's just tip of the iceberg. Like, there is so much talent in that room, and being able to throw to guys like that makes my job a lot easier. Dude. So, one, the way he described Jeremiah Smith, in hearing him, he's a dude, you know, he's a specimen. I, I think you and I can both agree. I will never and have never, won't ever put in the work to ever be called a specimen. But I, I was a little jealous of Jeremiah Smith. Like he, that, that is straight up a bromance right there. And I got to say, like, I do think, you know, we mentioned the, the numbers issue in Columbus. I think a lot of Ohio State fans got super excited about Jeremiah and then hit the brakes on expectations. That's a kid I'm not doing it for. I'm not putting um, a, a limitation on that kid. You know, Emeka has a chance to be a, a top 32 pick in the draft next year if he can just stay healthy. Carnell Tate, Brandon Ennis, and there's a couple other dudes. They got guys. But I think Jeremiah has a chance to step into a playmaking role that could just add a different level of lethal to this offense. They got probably five guys right now that could be future first-round picks if all goes right. I think the expectation is Jeremiah hits the ground running, and I think he's a big part. Not It's not even about touches. It's about his ability to make plays is going to put pressure on opposing defenses in a way that even if you just use him as a decoy 50% of the time, he's going to have an impact on games because of his playmaking ability. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a dude, dude. I mean, he's a specimen. He's, he's a dude. Like he, he's just a good old dude. Um, it sounds was, like Will Howard's been having a good growth conversation <laughs> about Jeremiah Smith. <laughs> I always love when dude gets like, when dude is the word that's used to describe somebody it, it, as, as like an adjective, like, yeah, he's a dude. And you're just like, can you elaborate a little bit more on what that means? He's a total <laughs> guy. He he's is. A, he's a dude guy. You know, you know like, who he is? He's that guy. Yeah. He's that guy, dude. Yeah, not, not that other guy. Not this guy. He is that guy. He is that guy, dude. Dude. Man. Yeah. Bro. <laughs> um, no, I I, th- I think that Jeremiah has a I, like we talk about freshmen that actually have a chance to see the field, have playing time, uh, get out there and actually make an impact. And I think the way you worded it is right. I, I'm not putting a cap on how much or, or or his ability to. Let me put it to you this way: like I think I think what a lot of times when these freshmen come to college you go into it saying like, well, we won't see that guy for a couple of years. Right. And, and maybe I'm, I'm being naive for saying this because, uh, you know, Marvin Harrison jr. Was supposed to be this great talent and we didn't see him until his second year. It really once that, well, he kind of broke out in that Rose bowl game, but still it was like, you know, it, it took some time to get there. Um, but I like Jeremiah Smith to me is supposed to be so talented. And I also, here's the other thing. I think because of the nature of the NIL era, you can't get away with as much, even even when you're Ohio State. I think you have to throw them a bone on some mm-hmm. level. And the nice thing is there's the new rules as of, I think, I forget how many years ago they changed it. 
but I think it's you can play in, I want to say it's six games. I might be wrong. It might only be five, and you can still keep your redshirt ability. Um, so there's a chance that you could use him in some bigger games, in some bigger spots, in some moments, and he still ends up redshirting and, and staying the extra year that you kind of want him around. So I think that's obviously an important lever for Ohio State to have at their disposal. Um, but like that's a guy going in where I'm not going in assuming anything in terms of, oh, he won't play. We won't see him for a year. No. I, just, and based on the way Will Howard is describing him as a dude with a specimen of a dude of a man, um, I'm, I'm anticipating that they probably try to work him in in some capacity. And obviously Emeka Buka coming back, maybe, maybe there's less usage there. If he had left, I think it would have been like a front line of Ennis, Tate, and him. But I do think on some level, like they're going to utilize him. It's just a matter of how much. And if he if he basically exercises that entire red shirt uh, availability or not, or if it's something that still is, is at his disposal. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think there's a lot of potential that he starts or plays almost immediately for this team just because of the player that he is. Well, and I think, and again, I might be misreading this, but I think a lot of people, including pundits and analysts and reporters, have said, I think if you ask them, they're probably closer to the extreme of, I'd be surprised if Jeremiah hit the ground running and was an impact at Ohio State across a majority of the season. And I get it. Like, we do put too much pressure on most of these kids. But there are special dudes. You know, Caleb Downs was that guy Mm -hmm. last year. I mean, he broke in as a true freshman for Nick Saban on Nick Saban's preferred side of the ball, the defense. And by the end of that season, he was clearly the best player in Alabama. Um, And he wasn't the recruit that Jeremiah Smith on the offensive side of the ball. So I actually lean on the other side. Where I'm with Jeremiah Smith is at this point, I'd be more surprised if he doesn't make. I don't know. Immediate impact is that that's okay. Is that get when game one, game four, game eight, whatever? But like, I think we're going to be able to look back next January on this podcast and say to ourselves, um, "Man, we were way too cautious with our expectations." I'd be shocked if this kid, for more than half the season, doesn't make some kind of impact. Because some dudes just have it. Some dudes are just built different. Some dudes are just ready for the moment. And that doesn't mean he'll be the best version of himself. But at least making plays, at least using that elite playmaking ability in a myriad of ways, I would be really shocked if he doesn't come out and make an impact on this football season somewhere in the first half of the season. I agree. And I, you, you mentioned pressure. I think the nice thing for him is... I don't want to say there's no pressure. We just talked about there being pressure with Will Howard and it's Ohio state and there's a lot of high stakes. And when you're a high, when you're as high of a recruit as he is, there's going to be pressure no matter what, but because he's coming to a program that is just pumping out year after year, great wide receiver after great wide receiver. I mean, you look around the NFL right now and you can find probably five receivers that are in or borderline at least top 20, if we're going to throw Marvin Harrison in there, because I think Marvin Harrison's in junior is an instant top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Once he gets drafted, like there's probably four or five guys that are already top 20 wide receivers that went to Ohio state. And I think because that's the culture, because that's what the, the machine that they are at that position specifically, you're coming into a situation where the pressure can 
not again, not fully be taken off you because it's going to be all eyes on you every time he's on the field. It's the same thing with like Arch Manning at Texas. It's why when they were doing their press their their press conferences leading into the semifinal game, uh, Quinn Ewers had like two reporters and everybody was talking to Arch Manning at the booth behind him because like he's just a star. And I think it's the same sort of thing. Like everybody's going to have all eyes on Jeremiah Smith because he is that level of recruit. Um, but I, I do think um, because there's some there's some really talented guys ahead of him who have a little bit more experience, Emeka Buka most notably, like they're not going to let him just go out there and be like the 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 punching bag or, you know, he's going to have some of that pressure taken off of him. And he's just going to be able to go out there and I think play football, which is what you would hope. And I, I think that'll also allow him to get in there early and make some plays and see what he can do so that maybe down the stretch of the season, if you really need him to make a big play for you or he does get more involved, that he will. So I, I'm right there with you. I'm, I I think, and I do think your way of looking at it of what will we be saying about him next year is kind of a good perspective to have because I think going in, it's easy to say, oh, he won't play. But I think a year from now, uh, agreed, we'll be sitting here saying, man, how about the year that Jeremiah Smith had? I can't wait to see more of him as a more frontline guy even next year. All right, guys, where where do you lean? Do you lean more in Jeremiah Smith is not going to have a big big impact next year or that he will? I, I think it's a lot more likely that he will, as you and I have kind of talked about here. Uh, leave your answer in the comments there uh, on 92.3 The Fans' YouTube channel or at Nick Wilson Says or at Spencito underscore on social media, including X. But when we come back, we're finally doing what Michigan fans have been <laughs> accusing us of doing with the Michigan panic meter. Usually the Michigan panic meter is assessing our panic about the state of Ohio state and Michigan's rivalry. Now we have to get to Michigan's panic, which apparently came out of nowhere over the last week. That's next, but first a word from our sponsors. Welcome back, guys. Now, if you know Sons of the Shoe podcast, which you can follow wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. I don't think Stitcher exists anymore. <laughs> uh, the free Odyssey app, wherever. You guys know the third segment of the show starts off every single time with a Michigan panic meter. And so we usually go uh, from gray to scarlet. And gray is the least amount of panic. Scarlet is the uh, most amount of panic. In this case... And I didn't, I didn't think we'd be doing this this soon. I kind of thought something would have to happen to trip this conversation up. Well, something happened. And, 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 and it's two things. Really. Growth. And we're going to get to it in a moment, another growth conversation for me here. Um, but we're going to go ahead and do the first ever and maybe only ever true Michigan panic meter. Now, you're thinking to yourself, why, why would Michigan panic? They just won the national championship. Ah, now – it would be a lot for me to then say, accuse them of panic if I didn't have an immense amount of proof. Twofold, in fact. One is there is a petition going around online by Michigan fans to fire athletic director Ward Manuel. And there's, you know, there are valid points about the state. Well, of because, because he botched. But the big one is because he botched the Jim Harbaugh contract yes, negotiation. Yes, but again, they reference uh, basketball. There's another. There's a third coach that was uh, sorry, second coach that was allowed to leave. I can't remember the the program. And then obviously the big one is the the assumption is by these Michigan fans 
that Ward Manuel is the reason Jim Harbaugh left. The second thing is the panic on Michigan and, and Michigan fans. There's a select amount of Michigan fans on Michigan uh, message boards that are destroying Jim Harbaugh because he has now taken four or sorry, three of his assistants with him, his son, Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, and then Ben Herbert, the strengths and conditioning coach. And the, the first two were expected, but apparently something happened when you take <laughs> um, Ben Herbert's strength and uh, the, the Michigan strength and conditioning coach that these people lose their mind. They were, they're worried about fucking stretching in the words of uh, Bob Wiley. Two wars, two wars. So I just want to say here, I think Michigan has gone from full maze, no panic to, I think they're at least halfway in between maize and blue. Cause I think people are starting to bug the hell out here. I will. So uh, I'm not going to defend the people who are mad about the, the strength and conditioning coach. I will say I kind of get where that comes from because they are the, 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 the messaging from college teams is always that the strength and conditioning coach is like that heartbeat of the team guy. He's like the raw, raw build the culture. Like you're working with them on the regular. Cause they're, they're, you're working, you're, you're lifting with them. They're putting you through drills, all this different stuff. So I guess I can kind of understand where like, if they really loved him and they thought he was this raw, raw guy, why they'd be like, well, I can't believe you took it, but it's obviously well within Jim Harbaugh's right to take whatever coaches he wants from his staff that he assembled there with him to the NFL. It's a pretty common practice. So what also is funny to me is like the, the math doesn't add up on this fully because you're mad that War Manual apparently botched the Jim Harbaugh situation. And so instead of being like, oh, man, yeah, like we really wish you would have stayed, Jim, and just like kind of like, you know, not, not sympathizing with him, but like being like, oh, yeah, it just stinks and we feel bad. Your, your reaction then to Jim Harbaugh taking coaches with him is like, well, you can't do that. Like, like that doesn't add up to me. Like, like if you're mad at War Manual, it just should be more Manuel's fault. You then can't be mad at Jim Harbaugh you know because he's is? just doing what all coaches do. You know what the word manual thing is? The word manual thing is when uh one of your best friend, best couple friends splits up and you realize that you got stuck with the turd of the marriage, <laughs> right? And it happens to everybody where for some reason, like you don't get to choose. Maybe they choose. Maybe it just happens. Maybe one of the people move away and you get stuck with the lesser end of the marriage. And then you're just stuck there. And that's Ward Manual. Ward Manual dicked over Jim Harbaugh endless amounts of time. I mean, they had to have the president of Michigan call a ceasefire last year. That's how negative things have gotten. Ward Manuel was behind the uh, the contract kerfuffle two years previous to that. I mean, Ward Manuel pl- fucked around and found out. And so, like, uh, listen, I fully expect him to be the sacrificial lamb in a year if Michigan is a 10-win team and they take a step back. Yeah. I fully expect that if Michigan basketball gets any worse and guys, it isn't great. I'm not a big Michigan basketball fan, but I do pay attention because of Juwan Howard. It's in a really bad situation as low as Michigan's been in a minute. I could see Ward manual being the first thing thrown over the the board of the Titanic. And the reality is it probably should have happened. The second the guy dicked with Jim Harbaugh's money and started a, a needless war with the head football coach. 
who was, albeit not where they wanted him to be, also not where they had been with either Brady Hoke or yeah. Rich Rodriguez. So to me, the Ward Manual thinks a matter of time. I think it's fate yes, accomplished. Yes. At some well, point, he's going to be the sacrificial lamb. So real quick, two things. First of all, maybe the better way to word what I was trying to say on why things don't add up is you can't be like, well, it's all Ward Manual's fault. We hate you. And then because the guy that you wanted to stay, Jim Harbaugh, he takes coaches and you're like, well, fuck you, Jim Harbaugh. Like that, that that's more what it's like. It's like you're mad at War Manual, but then because you lost this guy that you're apparently like fawning over. And but because it, it's it, you use the breaking up example, or like the, the, the divorce example. It's like one of those like, well, if 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 I can't be with you, then no one can. So you're just like getting like resentful for no reason whatsoever yeah. other than the fact that he left you behind. And, um, and, second thing, because you mentioned War Manuel at some point being the sacrificial lamb, and I 100% agree. He, what's funny is he went from it was like a it was a 180 this year, right? Because you went straight from at least I'm pretty sure he was part of like those statements that got put out when the whole cheating Connor Stallions thing yeah. happened. He, it was a 180 because he knew he was he was you know uh, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for. He knew that he was benefiting off the the teat conversation. Of, the, the teat of Jim Harbaugh's success. So he quickly pivoted from, oh yeah, there's been all this bad blood over the years to, oh, we backed Jim Harbaugh and anything slanderous against him is completely false and then wrong or whatever. So he was real quick to pivot when that whole thing happened. But this goes back to my conversation when we were talking about Ross Bjork, because I never know how to judge ADs truly, because on one hand, Ward Manuel was now going to be – he can say he was the AD that was behind Jim Harbaugh when they won a national championship. And that will always be something like if he goes somewhere else, there will be a fan base out there that's like, oh, yeah, Ward Manuel, he, he got a national championship at Michigan. Like, I love this hire. But then the people in Michigan will say, well, this guy sucks ass. He lost Jim Harbaugh. He was fought, constantly fighting with him. Like, there's always so many reasons to hate the guy, and there's always so many reasons to love a guy – and at the end of the day, like when a when a a AD gets when an AD gets sacked, it's often like one or two major reasons that revolve around either your basketball program or your football program that are the reasons why people hate you. And and that's what it's going to be with War Manual. We're just going to look back and say, well, this guy sucked because he lost Jim Harbaugh. That will be his legacy there. But there'll be people who are just blinders, like, well, he could be a good AD. Look what he did while he was at Michigan. So it, it's why there's no way to grade ADs ever. It, it's just. So I, Go ahead. I, I, the word manual thing, I think one, I don't think it's going to get him fired now, but I do think it's the most valid of the points message boards, flipping out on Jim Harbaugh and accusing him of somehow being, um, unloyal to Michigan after okay. everything he that did word manual put him through. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it's really disingenuous. And that, listen, Jim could take every single assistant that isn't Sharon Moore to the NFL and you should still kiss his ass and thank your lucky stars. He didn't quit with that contract snafu yeah. three or four years ago. Yeah. So like, I I'm sorry if, if a coach comes in and hires a staff, that staff has incredible success. What's the difference between Jim Harbaugh taking to the NFL and Alabama coming in and offering Ben Herbert twice as much money to be the strength and conditioning coach. There's literally no difference other than they're just going with the guy that they had the most success with. So I think that to me is the most comical side of this is Michigan fans freaking out 
over Jim Harbaugh, you should probably be thankful he's only taken three guys to this point because he's already linked up with Greg Roman or, and or David uh, Shaw as his offensive coordinator, two old assistants that he's had. Like, just be thankful. Be thankful with where you are and understand that, like, this is all part of success. And what I think it underlines is there is concern about Sharon Moore stepping into a job and then immediately having to replace almost half of his on-the-field staff. But that speaks to that kernel of doubt that should be there hiring a first-time head coach as the the successor to the guy that just had the most success in team history for the, the, the last 25 years in winning the first national championship since 97. Well, and a lot of this too, Nick, boils down to just denial. Because, because like, frankly... Yeah, you can blame Ward Manuel. You can say he botched that relationship. And in a lot of ways, as we've laid out, he did. Um, but from all accounts, everything that was reported about this contract that he had on the table, they were going to give him the sun, the moon, the stars. They were willing to make him, you know, exonerate him from any punishments that could come. You couldn't get fired, all this different stuff. They gave him everything. The one stipulation was that he couldn't pursue an NFL job this year. And at some point, like, Michigan fans are just going to have to come to terms with the fact that, like, he did, he, 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 this guy came to Michigan. He stayed loyal through a lot of bullshit that he had to deal with. And then when push came to shove, but, but when push came to shove, he was always going to have his eyes on the NFL. That's what I mean. And, and, and how many years do we hear, like, Jim Harbaugh could be a hot candidate for the NFL? And there were some years where it wasn't as hot of a topic because Michigan wasn't winning and they were losing to Urban Meyer. And it was like, okay, we don't really care. But once he started sort of winning and turning the program around and doing the consistent thing, it was like three, four straight years of, yeah, there, he has links to the NFL. He wants to get back at some point. I mean, we've been hearing this forever. So at some point, like, you just have to stop living in denial and understand, like, it wasn't all on war manual. Like, some of it was, but Jim Harbaugh just wanted to go back to the NFL, and that is what it is, and he's going to take the staff with him that he takes with him. I guess for my mission, for my Michigan panic meter, like the true version of the Michigan panic meter, how much are we? How much stock do we put in the fact that these message boards speak for most of the fan base? That's that's my big question. Like, is it just? Is are the message boards kind of like what we think Twitter is, where it's like we hear this vocal minority of the fan bases, or is it like legitimately we should put a lot of stock in the 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 Reddit pages and all this? I mean, I think I think Twitter is just a smaller sample size than message boards because message boards have been around. For That's 20 true. years. Larger community, yes. And larger community, and it is a way for people to stay in, in connection with each other. Now, do I still think it's 50% of the fan base? No. Like Keith <laughs> Britton, uh, who who works on yeah. uh, our show he's, as a producer, producer yeah. on Afternoon Drive, he's one of the biggest Michigan fans I've ever met. He thinks both of these things are ridiculous. He might well, have qualms about Ward didn't, Manuel. Didn't he like, also say that Jim Harbaugh wasn't leaving, though? I, I believe he was skeptical at one point that he would leave. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I just think, like, I don't think message boards are all, the end-all, be-all, but I think they're a healthy representation of where fans are. And I think, listen, I think what this points to, because panic ebbs and flows, as we found out with the Michigan panic meter that we do about Ohio State and our panic with Ohio State. So it does ebb and flow. It does illustrate a point I made when talking about the difficulties of the job that Sharon Moore is stepping into, because the reality is everybody's behind you until that first loss. 
everybody's behind you until that first loss to Ohio State. And listen, I think Sharon Moore, because he technically already beat Ohio State last year, should be given a gimme this year when Michigan loses to Ohio State. That's probably not how it works, though. No. That's the kind of thing you say in January. That's the kind of thing you I say mean, well, in look, May, look, look but it's Ohio not State the reality fans, of November. Look what Ohio State, like how quickly Ohio State fans, it went from we own Michigan and then the first Ryan. I mean, we've been saying Ryan Day should be fired. Not we, but the 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 fan base has been saying Ryan Day should be fired since that first loss to Michigan in 2021. It, mm-hmm. it, they've been saying it ever since. And every year after, it's been louder and louder and louder. So I think it's the same thing. Like at the second, it's it's easy to sit uh, in your ivory tower right now and be like, well, we're the national champs. And, you know, we're not worried about Sharon Moore. But I think a lot of that is just it, it's it's PR. It's branding from the fan base. Like, you know, you, you're you letting somebody into your house for, for dinner and you have happy faces on and then they leave. And behind the scenes, like, you and your wife are feuding with each other and going through a divorce. Like that, that's almost what it feels like because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're playing the part of, Oh, we feel good about Jerome Moore and we're not worried because we just want a title. But behind the scenes, I think there really is some panic sort of brewing of like, well, our, our time at the top might be coming to an end here. And I don't want to go back to where Michigan was before, you know, Harbaugh finally got it together and, and started beating Ohio state and, and that feeling of that, it, it, you, you, that might be what happens. I'm not saying it is, especially next year. Like, there's still going to be enough talent there. I think that they stay afloat and maybe they lose a couple games, but it's not like complete disaster. Um, not that it ever was with Harbaugh. He was never losing. Like, he had, he had the COVID year, which was bad, but that was a fluky year for everybody. But, yeah, like, if, if they go back to just losing to Ohio State consistently, I, I don't think Michigan fans are willing to accept that. And I also just think the panic that we're seeing – sort of just speaks to like, what have you done for me lately? And it, I mean, I get it on some level. It's had to have been an emotional roller coaster. You go win a national championship, but then two weeks, three weeks later, your coach is, is the coach that brought you there is leaving. So this is the most recent thing. And on some level, I I'm sure it, it, it Michigan fans probably are looking back relishing like, well, I'm glad we got this moment. Cause it might not be lasting very much longer. And they got to kind of live with that. I, I guess I'll put my meter if we're assuming white is kind of also in the middle here of the maze and the blue, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to lean That's Michigan. So. I'm just in the white leaning slightly towards the blue. And I, and it's funny. I think, like I said, I think Michigan fans who listen to this, they're going to be in our comments. Like, what do we have to panic about? Ohio state's going out there and trying to add all these recruits because they can't beat us, blah, 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 blah. But I think behind the scenes, there is like a, a small in, internal uh, panic brewing. I would say I would say to those Ohio State fans, we do appreciate you commenting in the 92 through the fan, (laughs) uh, uh, the YouTube channel. Please continue to do so. I would say after commenting on our page, maybe go to those message boards and speak some of that cockiness, because I think to what you're saying is I do think like your you present a different message to your foe than you do your friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm not buying this kumbaya shit. I'm just not. Now, that doesn't mean that the sky is falling. But you mentioned it. I think it would be like when Urban left and Ryan took over. I needed to see the team go out with Ryan. He was a first-time head coach. It's totally different. Like when they hired Urban and he had two national championship rings. 
It's totally different than when they hired Trestle and Trestle ran Youngstown State to multiple national titles at that level of football. It's totally different when it's a guy's first job at that level. Now, what I would say is I don't think – I think at Ohio State it's tougher to be a first-time head coach than at, at Michigan, but it will for, – for next year it's going to completely revolve – around probably hitting the 10, 11, 10, maybe 10, 11 win threshold overall and beating Ohio State. And if you don't do one or both of those things, it's not going to take much to get people panicking in, in, in Ann Arbor because that's how we act. That's what yeah. we do in college football. That's just the reality of the situation. You uh, you brought it up last episode, but it, it's different. Like I think the other thing that, that Michigan fans are falling back on right now is like, well, Sharon already beat Ryan Day, so what are we worried about? But I think you brought up the main the, the the big point last last episode. A the the prep work leading up to that game was all Jim Harbaugh because he could he could he could hold the practices, and B it's different when you're the guy. He was the guy for a day, and there's no pressure of like, hey, when you get when you leave that stadium, you go back to just being your your role and and dealing with what you got to deal with. Now you got to deal with everything, so it's different. And I I think the best way to sum up kind of what we're alluding to with just like the the persona that fans are giving off right now, Michigan fans, that is, you see, have you, you've seen the movie Deadpool, right? Oh yes. Many you know, a time. You know, the scene where he shows up at the, the, uh, the door of uh, professor X of like the, the X-Men and they, I forget the joke that they make, but they say something, they, they call him a name or whatever. And Ryan Reynolds like laughs and he goes like, ha fake laugh to hide real internal pain. <laughs> That's what it is. Yep. Michigan fans right now are like they're fake laughing in our faces. They're like, "Oh, you guys have to go out and get all these recruits because you can't beat us, and we're fine." And Sharon Moore, and but meanwhile, you're trying to get your AD run out of town because you think he botched the Jim Harbaugh thing, and you're pissed off, and, and you're and you're crying because Jim Harbaugh is taking your assistant coaches and strength coaches. Like, there's there's a little bit more than meets the eye. If you need to talk to somebody about it, Nick and I will gladly be. This is a in good idea comments. for a future episode. This is a yeah, we can be Michigan fan therapy sessions. We will offer them to you 20 minute blocks on Sons of the Shoe or just I in think, the comment section on the 92 through the fan YouTube. I program. think that's stealing a basket and felt bit, which we just on principle I refuse to do. <laughs> but to the Michigan well, fans, we got some people who uh really enjoy that show. So Michigan fans have been they're smarter than us. I've always said that, yeah. but Michigan fans, um. <laughs> This is your one chance, right? You're always commenting on the Michigan panic meter here. Leave the comments, uh, 92 through the fan YouTube. We've got uh, maize. We've got light maize. We've got white. We've got light blue. And we've got the full blue. And uh, light, uh, sorry, maize being the least panicked, blue being the most panicked, and obviously the three levels in between being some iteration of that. Where do you guys stand wanting to fire Ward Manual? Jim Harbaugh rating your staff. 92 through the fans. YouTube uh, comment section there. Uh, we will interact with it there. Ohio State fans, we also want to hear what your guys' thoughts on today's show were. Uh, please make sure to follow the show everywhere you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, the free Odyssey app, 923thefan.com. And make sure to hit the old follow on 92 through the fans YouTube channel as well. That does it for us. Go Buck Spencer. Great show.